Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun Christmas Party 2019. We're doing 12 days of Christmas. We are here on day seven. I'm so glad to be here with you guys today. My name is Annie F. Downs. I'm the host of this here party, and this party is filling up with fun friends. I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Hey, you hear that music in the background? The background music at this party is from our buddy, Mr. Phil Wickham. He is over there by the piano playing guitar, getting us ready. He is the music here. Make sure you've grabbed a copy of his album, Christmas. Today's show is really special to me because our guest today is actually the reason I started the podcast in the first place. He is our very first guest in 2014, Ted Decker, and today his daughter, Rochelle Decker, join us as well. They have a new novel that I'm reading right now, and I am like addicted to it, as I tend to get with Ted Decker and Rochelle Decker books, both of theirs. Uh, This one is called The Girl Behind the Red Rope. Ted and Rochelle will tell you all about it today in the show. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And also, I want to say to you, this happens every now and again on the show. And today's an important episode to talk about this. Uh, People bring a lot of different ideas. And I think that's so interesting. That's what makes parties interesting is when everyone brings their own ideas. It is okay with every show you hear on That Sounds Fun. If you agree with everything the guest says, if you agree with nothing the guest says, if you agree with everything I say or nothing I say, That makes for good friendship, y'all, when we have different ideas that we bring to the party. And so I am grateful that all these Christmas party episodes bring different people with different ideas. And that is true today. I I can't tell y'all how much I smiled start to finish of this episode. I loved recording it so, so much. So without any more waiting, this party's got to keep going. Here are my friends, Ted and Rochelle Decker. Yeah, 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 just point it, Rich. Oh, let my daughter take this. <laughs> throw me right under the yeah, bus. That's right. Merry no, Christmas, you filthy like, animal. I don't trust myself. I don't trust myself. I'm too old. I'm like, say something. It's like, yeah. Is that true that the further you get in your faith life, the more inclined you are to say what you really think? I think as we begin to lose our fear of what do people think, you finally reach a breaking point where you're like, okay, well, what am I trying to protect? Well, I'm trying mm. to protect in great, I have a great fear of not being accepted by others. Yeah. And, and it's like, in, in a way, Christianity is like our mother. For those of us who are born into Christianity, it's like our mother, and it taught us certain things. I wrote a whole novel on this called Water Walker. Mm-hmm. And in that novel, um, you know, the mother is part of a, a, a cult, really, and ultimately, she, on the advice of Zeke, the, mm-hmm. the cult leader, breaks the legs of her daughter to keep oh, wow. her from leaving the valley mm. or leaving the compound that she's in. And what the character learns is she can forgive her mother, which is a form of water walking. In other words, you can, you can actually walk on the troubled seas of life without fearing the water itself. Mm-hmm. The water for us, or the storms that come against us as Christians, is the fear of being rejected by our mother, by Christianity itself. So as our beliefs begin to mature and open up into love without condemning others, we're, we're afraid that we ourselves will be condemned for actually talking about that. Yeah. Because it means an inclusive kind of approach to life where you're loving your neighbor as yourself. And those, those may be Muslims. Those may be Hindus, mm-hmm. and put all the dogma aside and just loving them as yourself without saying they're in, I'm out, whatever, mm-hmm. I mean, they're out, all this kind of stuff. Just like, no, I'm going to trust myself to love them as myself 
for, and it starts there for most people. And I think our generation right now is awakening to that. But that is threatening to a lot of fundamentalists. Yeah, it feels, and, and we talked about this a little bit before, but I am wrestling with that fear of what if everyone turns on yeah. me? Because I keep watching them turn on. I keep watching the Christian internet, which is a big unfair thing because not all of us are should be looped in that. But I keep watching the internet turn on Christians <laughs> in the public eye yeah. on a dime. Yeah. I mean, they will spend money to see you live on Saturday, and they will cut you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I've just never seen anything like this. Well, it's crucifixion, but religion ultimately is religion, institutionalized religion of all forms, mm-hmm. is based in fear. That means here's the walls of our particular commune or our institution. Here's the dogmas. If you step out, we're justified in crucifying you. That's what happened to Jesus. Uh-huh. We're justified. God uh-huh. has given us the power because we're just upholding the truth. So we're going to crucify you. Now, today we don't actually do it on a cross. We do it through words. Mm-hmm. And we do it through public you know, uh, shaming. Yeah. And in the name of Christ, by the way, that's the pro- that's the part that sends me. That's like it's like in, over it's the almost edge. like a <laughs> spirit of anti-Christ. Christ mm-hmm. is about love, but institutional religion by default. Now, this is that doesn't mean that doesn't mean Christians are all that way. In fact, not true at all. That's right. So, and I'm not talking about Christians at large. I'm talking about the institutionalized form of Christianity that will throw stones mm-hmm. and persecute those who step away, step outside the box of its dogma. Mm-hmm. Rochelle, have you seen, I mean, you've grown up with your dad. Yes. As a, yes, you're like, yes, he's been my dad since day one, being a public Christian, mm-hmm. probably before most of us were, or any of us. I mean, really, he's one of the the OGs mm-hmm. of this world. What has it been like watching people be kind and unkind to him publicly? What's that been like as the daughter? Yeah, I think probably there was a lots of naivety to it early on. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand that until I really wanted to take this journey myself and become published and step into that mm-hmm. onto that platform mm-hmm. and I you know wholeheartedly as like a young college 20 year old something ran to my dad and I was like you'll never believe what I want to do and he was like please don't really yeah for uh, a really on long stage, time remember yeah he was, was like crying. please please don't you have no idea the battlefield you're stepping onto right. i mean you're literally like opening yourself up for public slaughter right Whatever they deem. And, you know, as a woman, there's a a ton of other things that are tied to that. What does she look like? How does she speak? Is she too brass? Is she Mm -hmm. too soft-spoken? I mean, there's so many rules. There's Mm -hmm. so many rules on how to be a proper public Christian woman. Right. Oh, say that. (laughs) And it is – so I think there was so much fear from him towards me, which I didn't really understand until – you know, I kind of started taking this journey myself. Now, I'm fortunate to grow up in a generation where I do think uh, my, for myself and a lot of my peers, one of the main things we see is that there is a generation of, you know, this kind of dogma Christians who are so afraid that we are finally saying, wait a second, if Jesus said, 
love your neighbor as yourself. How does this work with what he spoke? Yeah. How does, you know, um, speaking out in hate against people you don't agree with work with the teachings of Jesus, which are very clear. Right. And they're so terrified of that idea that a lot of us are, you know, saying or exploring that they throw stones faster than ever <laughs> right. because they're desperately trying to hold on to something. We actually just wrote a book called The Girl Behind the Red Rope, which is one of the reasons we're here today. And in that we have the fury, which mm -hmm. are manifestations of fear. And we are we are actually in the car on the way here talking about how we didn't even realize the truth that we were writing about, how true it actually is, because we are now seeing furies everywhere. Oh, wow. The manifestations of fear. And when you threaten fear, when you threaten the ideas, then the fear, that's when they rise up and they start to attack and yep. maul. And suddenly, and you're, you're seeing that everywhere. You're mm -hmm. seeing these, um, the, the ideas of what being a good Christian is supposed to look like, being holy is supposed to look like these attributes we've somehow pinned to them that aren't actually in line with the teachings of Jesus necessarily. And the turning from that or the questioning away from those ideas is causing a, you know, a great wave of fury out of the depths being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you don't believe in these lines, if you don't follow these rules, if th then then I don't exist. And they're ter I mean, they're yeah. fighting for their lives. I mean, the fear is actually manifesting itself. It's kind of terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do you have thoughts about that? Well, yeah. I mean, like it's it's like in the girl behind the red rope, just to set it up real quickly, if yeah. now's a good time. Um, so there's a a community of people that have sequestered themselves away in the hills of Tennessee. And, Rochelle came up with the idea, and it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And then I just came along and helped her execute it, and so we executed it together. But it's like uh, in the hills of Tennessee, there's a commune that's that's been formed, and they went there because of the coming wrath. And they they went to this commune to be the pure, spotless bride mm. and to follow the law that would keep them safe from this coming fury. And the reason why they knew the fury was coming because one day in church, all their eyes were open, and they saw these wraiths. Oh, wow. Like actual mo like monsters. Mm -hmm. And it was terrifying. So, and they were led by this false angel, it ends up being a false angel, to go into the hills and there he will keep them safe. So they go and they, they establish a perim perimeter around this commune with a, a red rope. And as long as they stay within that red rope, they'll be safe from the fury that's outside of that red rope. Okay. And that that's true. For, that happens for mm. 15 years. And they... They hear the fury outside the red rope. They, you know, what I'm saying, there's no doubt that they're out there. Yeah. But they're, but one day, the, the protagonist Grace and her brother. Oh my gosh, her name is Grace. Well done. Through a through a series of events, you know, go beyond the red rope. Okay. So, so the girl behind the red rope is a story of Grace, mm -hmm. and her and she goes through this journey of starting to question whether or not it's actually the danger really is on, on the outside of the red rope or inside. Because as soon as she crosses that red rope, the community totally turns against her. Yeah. And there's, it goes, it, it just descends into a kind of madness. Mm -hmm. And then she, she, but ultimately what they discover, and I'm not going to ruin the novel here, is that the Fury have, are actually much more prevalent inside the red rope than anywhere uh, else in the world. Mm -hmm. And they're feeding on the, fear, the fears of the congregation because wow. the Fury feed on fear. It's not like demons. Right. It's fear that, the, you know, the 
fear only rep- replicates itself by feeding on fear. Yes. And whatever is done in fear calls to itself more fear. Any decision you make in fear only calls to you more fear, which is why we continue to live in fear because we're actually emboldening fear. And if you can think of fear now metaphorically as like these wraiths, these beings, they're actually feeding on us and we don't see it. And as it turns out, they feed on Christians sometimes more so than Mm -hmm. anyone, religious people, because religious people are so afraid of crossing that, whatever that red rope in their mind is. You know what I'm saying? And and that may, if I cross that, I'm going to go to hell, for example. That's a great fear. So we now stay in safety, quote, to avoid that great punishment mm-hmm. out of fear. Right. But, but there is no fear in love. Mm-hmm. And only love can cast fear out. And love holds no record of wrong. Love does not resist evil. Jesus said, when the evil man comes against you, do not resist him. Rather turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. So when you try to resist a fury, one of, these be- one of these creatures, when you try to resist them, actually what happens, it, th- you're doing it out of fear and they're actually growing stronger, which is why we never actually, resistance is ultimately futile. Right. But love heals immediately. Right. And that's kind of the, it, it's a really, really cool story about the condition we find ourselves in right now, every one of us in our lives, yeah, so what makes y'all decide to write this as a novel instead of a nonfiction? Well, you know, we write fiction, and <laughs> I've always thought we live in story, we live in yeah. fiction. The fiction yeah. is our own lives. Mm-hmm. We make up the truth. We say, oh, we, give all, we, we give all the meaning that everything has for us. Like, so, like, let's say last year I had a tremendous amount of money taken from me. Well, it was the value I had placed in that money that caused me to suffer when it was taken. Mm. You know, is that true? You really yeah, did? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go into the details of that, but yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. Like 10 years worth of writing <gasps> um, that I, it was kind of like my retirement. And it was just, anyway, I don't want to get into the, the details of that. But the point is that had meaning for me. Those That money had meaning for me because I had placed value in it. Mm-hmm. And when it was taken, I suffer because I'm saying it's not a good thing for me not to have that money. After all, I it's only fair I should be able to have it. I sure. earned it. Right, so I'm giving that meaning. Well, what happens if you become, become like a little child, like, and I let Rochelle deal with this because you know she is now is a nine month old yeah. child, but he's been a great teacher for us because Jesus said, unless you become like an infant, you cannot follow me into the kingdom. Meaning, letting go of all of the meaning you've given everything in life, all judgments, <laughs> right. all like, right? Yeah. Can you imagine what it's like to be an infant, like a, a nine month old? No. Without without all the remember, without yeah. all the layers and layers and layers of shoulds, 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 should not, should not, should not, fear, fear, fear if you do. Yeah. Or if you don't. Yeah. A child learns that. But Jesus said you cannot enter the kingdom, which is here now. You cannot be transformed into the, you know, into the true expression that is you in your divinity. Right? Yeah. Okay. Unless you are unless you cannot see the kingdom even. You cannot see that. You're gonna Unless you become like a little infant. It has nothing to do with a prayer said. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with going to church. It has to do with becoming like a little child and letting go of our, and trusting completely in the Holy Spirit. So what does that look like on like a Tuesday? How well, does that change your behavior to believe like that? I mean, I can only speak for myself, but it means like anything that comes against you. Like this morning, I had some situations that come, came against me and it's only Tem- ten o'clock. Ten- tempted me to. Yeah, I'm not going to go into any, I'm not gonna go into any <laughs> details. Tough morning. But they, they weren't. They didn't come against me. I was just tempted 
yeah. to, to, to yield to fear mm -hmm. of what might happen tomorrow or a year mm -hmm. from now if I, if this, whatever, you know, sure. if this, it's like the money thing. Yeah. Well, what it means is, okay, what would it be like to be Jack right now? Meaning the, yeah. my nine month old grandson. Well, money means nothing to him. Right. Money means nothing to him. So then it's like, okay, I can just love that person and not fear them abandoning me. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a great fear of abandonment that has run through my entire life because mm -hmm. my parents sent me away when I was six years old to a boarding school and uh, my whole life I've been looking for security in other people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's pretty common, I think, for the yes, human race. that's me but too. But for me, yeah. okay, so that's us. So what's it like to be a little, like a little child and say, oh, not fear that abandonment and just love all those that are in your life because they're there, like a little child might. Yeah, a, a, a kid loves anybody until you teach him yeah. they're not safe. And a little child, like an infant, doesn't know anything about abandonment yet. Mm -mm. Not an older child might, like mm. when two, three, but not an infant. And Jesus used the word infant very specifically. He did. But you have to go back. I mean, that's one of those times that I think it matters. I use an app on my phone called Blue Letter Bible that tells you the original word of what Scripture's saying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, I, and sometimes that, I mean, because what my Bible might say is children. It, if you take a minute and look it up, it says become like an infant. And that's a different story to me than becoming a 10-year-old. It's a totally different story. Yeah. I'm going to jump in here and I'm, I'm going to give a story, an example yes, of this go. since we're talking about it. You talked about, you know, what do you do on a Tuesday? And my experience is obviously totally different than my dad's because I've become a mom for the first time this year. Um, and actually my son's going to be a year and 11 days. So he's a little oh, yeah. bit older than nine months, but yeah, he is yeah. still an infant. He's just yes. under one. And, uh, but He's about the same as he was at nine months. Um, and I remember the new mom shame fear game. has. Ne I've never felt the amount of fear in my life as I have in this past year really? because about all keeping of a, him safe. Yeah. All of a sudden, every single decision is criticized, publicized. Everyone yeah. has an opinion about everything. Do you formula feed? Do you breastfeed? <laughs> right. Do you, you know, sh room share? Do they sleep in their own room? Do you share a bed? Do they sleep in their own crib? Do they sleep on their back? Do they sleep in a sack? Do they sleep swap? I mean, it right. is endless, endless, um, rules about how to keep a child safe. And some of them are very, very good. And, you know, obviously we do what our pediatrician says and we sure, keep sure, our sure. child safe. Even right, right now, you're like, dear right, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I feel, don't yeah. come for me, That's internet. Right. I That's keep right. my child safe. That's right. But, you know, you feel like you have to say that because um, there's just so much fear. But I remember recently we're in the grocery store and we're at Publix, which my son loves. And y'all live here in Nashville, right? Everybody yeah. Does yeah. yeah. So we're at Publix and I'm driving along. We're waiting for chicken wings because they have the best chicken wings uh -huh. um, at the counter. And Jack's in the in the seat. And I don't buckle him in because he's a little bit too small yet to really be buckled in. So he just sits there and, you know, I watch him. And uh, <laughs> PSA. And this man, this older European man who had a very strong accent. I'm not sure where it was from. From, but I could hardly understand him, it had to be like in his 80s or 90s, kind of like sees Jack from across the produce section where we're standing. Um, and he like waves and Jack has learned to wave. So he's waving back and yeah. they're smiling. And the man starts to approach us. And I was like, oh, this is really sweet. And he puts his hands out like he like towards Jack, like, come here, buddy. And Jack raised his hand <gasps> oh, gosh. to the man and he scooped him up out of my cart. And I remember I had this moment where it was almost like the world stilled. And I was like, do I mama bear this situation and be like, how dare you touch my kid? Right. You're a stranger. Right. And, and then teach my son to be afraid. Or do I see that? Like, okay, he was like 80. Like, where's he going to go? Uh, I'm right. going to stop him. Right. 
And Jack just, he scooped him up and he laughed and they were smiling. And the man was talking about how handsome he was and how oh, wow. how special he was. And then he handed him back to me and like gave him a kiss and walked off. I've never met, the, I have no idea who this person was, a total stranger. And I just remember thinking, and there were other, and you, you notice all the other parents around, a couple other moms who were like ready to like go in the charge with me if I needed assistance <laughs> because there's such fear in raising children and in doing it right. And I think there's even more so in a religious setting where it's like there are proper rules and there are laws. We want our kids to be good. We want them to be brave. We want them to be holy. We want them to go to heaven. So I pray right. for my kid every every night that, you know, he doesn't fall away from the way of, you know, Christ and end up in hell. Because how as a mother could you endure such agony and all of this fear that's baked into that? So how do you deal with it on a Tuesday? Well, I let the stranger pick my kid up out of a cart. Yeah. Even though probably there will be people listening who will think, well, I would never do that. But mm -hmm. why? Like, why in that? So you have to ask yourself in every situation, what am I responding out of? Mm. In this moment when something is coming against me, am I reacting in love or in fear? And, and did are, you think that that moment And with I Jack. did. Yeah. And in that moment, I was like, I could be in fear. And then potentially implant that fear in my kid, mm -hmm. right? Not in that moment now is he going to be afraid of all strangers, but, like, is he next time going to be a little, like, mom, I, I get all my cues from mom right now. And mom was like, mm -hmm. mm, she felt weary, so should I feel weary? For another another example, when Jack falls, like, when he's toddling around, he's kind is of he learning walking? to, not quite, but he's learning to. So he yeah. got his little, you know, walker, and he's pushing it around, and he crawls like a maniac into everything, and he'll fall over and conk. And if I react, we all know this is, parents or the parents will all know this and you go oh, are you okay then they go oh something must be wrong <laughs> yeah mom I'm not looks to be afraid okay. like yeah. I can feel they're so <laughs> intuitive but if you're like oh yay and you clap then he will just laugh no mm -hmm. matter how hard he hit his head mm -hmm. he'll just be like ah, that was awesome so <laughs> I mean all of those things those are the little choices where as small as insignificant as they may seem, I'm constantly trying to, or like not losing my patience with him when he will just not lay still to get his diaper changed. Or not, I mean, these little tiny moments from like all of these small things on a Tuesday in the grocery store, cleaning up the house, getting ready for Christmas, all of the stresses mm -hmm. that can really infiltrate your life. How do I respond to all of these things in love as it's okay? Mm -hmm. there, there's not a problem here. Deep breath. We got this. I don't judge myself. I try really hard not yeah. to judge myself for being overwhelmed, for feeling like I'm not appreciated, for all of those things that you deal with. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I... I'm trying to approach the Tuesday. Yeah. But it goes back to in every moment we choose love or we choose fear. And that's as simple almost as it is, which seems crazy because – and it's almost impossible half of the – well, 90% of the time. It feels well, impossible. And, and actually it is impossible for what I would call the small self or the carnal nature or let's just call it you know, the personality self. Uh -huh. In order to choose love over fear – it's it's our divine nature. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like Paul Paul taught Christ is all mm -hmm. and in all. Mm -hmm. Christ is you and also in you. So it's only as you yield to the Christ that is you and in you. And you awaken to that divine agape love. Mm -hmm. Can you possibly it's what transforms it, it's 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 like you can't sweep a shadow. Let's call it the, let's call the fear shadow or darkness, but yeah. let's just call it shadow. You can't sweep it from the room, right? But if you turn the light on, it's gone. 
Yep. So this is a journey from light and from darkness to light, mm-hmm. you know, from blindness to sight, from fear to love. All of Jesus' teachings fit into that, those few sentences. And so the other thing on a Tuesday is like, it's impossible, and so we try out of our small small selves every Tuesday since we're going with Tuesday. Yeah, sorry, I don't may, know why may, it happened. Today's not Tuesday. May, may, <laughs> maybe you could like broadcast this on a Tuesday. Yeah. But, <laughs> but it's like okay, on a Tuesday, there's so, when you get up in the morning, you'll not and immediately notice many many things as you go out into the public. Right. One is the fear of how other people see you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're like a little, or we'd infant, have gone out naked if we didn't care how the people saw us. Well, maybe maybe to respect them, we wouldn't. <laughs> You're but, right. but you do remember the first thing that God says to Adam and Eve in the garden is, who told you you were naked? Mm-hmm. In other words, that is the coming of fear. Yeah. The knowledge of good and evil is, it's the knowledge of good and evil, which is judgment, is based in fear. So it's wow. really the fall is the fall into fear. So from the beginning. From the beginning, it's the fall into yeah. fear. And That's we must protect awful. ourselves. Yeah. Right. So, so, but it's only as we align to or come or... Uh, abide in or come into resonance with love or the divine light, can we possibly vacate fear or darkness? Everything else is just the small self playing tricks and psychological self-help yes, crap. Yes, just like doing the work, like, okay, today, yeah, today I'm going to not be right. afraid. But can you imagine like stepping out of the house and, and not being afraid of what people think of you and how you look on a Tuesday morning? Mm-hmm. So think of the energy that you place, okay. all of us, male or female, let's be honest, about how our hair looks, how our haircut is, how our body looks, whether or not we look trim and fit according to society's standards. Think about how much fear there is just in body image. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just that alone. So what's it like to be an infant? Jack is he's the 95 percentile of babies his age. Mm-hmm. He's so huge. he's like a little Buddha, he's like a little Buddha, right? Or Michelin man. Yeah. I guess it's the Christian version of that. Oh my gosh, you're welcome to call him a little Buddha here. It's okay. fine. Okay, so there you go. So it's like he doesn't care. Yeah. That he's that, that he's got like man boobs. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care at all. He doesn't care at all. In other words, he's got you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's just happy because he has not yet been imprinted by fear. Mm. Now that's happening. And we're teaching him how to fear. Yeah. It's like we all come and agree to enter into a plane of existence in which fear rules. That's the power and principality of the air. That's the fury. Mm-hmm. It rules. And we choose to come in, you know, so that we might in that darkness find the light that we have always been. Which is that? Or is that too much? No, I <laughs> am having the best time. <laughs> I like this so much. Because I think of my friends who are, I mean, I just had this experience last week because I'm not married yet and don't have kids yet. But I have some really close friends who are kids. And I was on a plane last week, and I was thinking about something, and I felt like the Lord kind of said, if Ben Barnes, one of the kids who's six or seven, if he asked you this, what would you do? And I thought, oh, my gosh, I would do whatever he needed me to do to fix this for him. And, the, and it just felt like the Lord was like, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like having kids in your life like that, whether they're infants or kids, walks you toward an understanding you can't know if you're only surrounded by adults. Does that feel true to y'all? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a different level of, like, exposure to innocence Mm. that you don't really... I mean, there's no... It's not that Jack doesn't care about clothes. I mean, that's true. He has no concept of it. 
Right. It's like he doesn't. He didn't choose to not care. Yeah. It's not like he chose. It's not <laughs> right. like he's awakened. Yeah. And he's right. like, I have come into my own awakening and don't care if I'm naked. No. Right. He's like, I don't even have a concept of clothes. That's like, a good point. I have uh-huh. no concept of, um, you know, disapproval. I have no concept of rejection. I have no concept of, I mean, he is pure innocence and wonder. I mean, he'll just like, you should see him like in any front of any screen, computer, TV, cell phone. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's healthy or not. Again, no judgment. But, you know, he is just like fascinated that there's like this mechanism that has like these images on it and, and they're in color and the sounds and he like you know li- listens for Alexa everywhere mm-hmm. and he just like stares at the Christmas tree like he's never seen anything so marvelous in his whole life because mm-hmm. he hasn't, he hasn't. <laughs> that kind of wonder and pure innocence um, it's incredibly inspirational mm-hmm. as a mom to watch yeah, oh my gosh I mean think of the freedom that's the main thing when I see Jack he's a great teacher to me is he y'all's first grandchild uh-huh okay but children are, infants are great teachers. Mm-hmm. They really are great teachers because they embody this innocence. And, and it, it's the idea of letting go of the meaning we've given to everything else that we fear. So it's actually yeah. becoming, becoming, becoming like a little infant, not just pretending we are one, but actually going through this transformation. Yeah, but how? How do you do? I want to unlearn well, and uncare. Wow. Well, okay, so Jesus Jesus put it this way. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see this kingdom that little children can see. Mm. Yeah. And I know that's going to twist a lot of people's brains. No, but that's good. Keep, let's let's just, twist them up. I love this. There's lots of different ways to take this, but it's like, so what does it mean to be born again? It's For me, it's like, ah, that's the same thing as like, being enlightened or going through transformation. It's like it's like going back into the womb and coming back out again as a whole new creature, mm-hmm. i.e. new creatures in Christ, i.e., right? So how does this happen? How is someone born again? Well, my favorite analogy is actually a caterpillar. Okay. So you have a caterpillar that goes into this cocoon, which is like a womb, which is like a tomb. Mm-hmm. It's like dying to old self. And in this tomb, it actually liquefies itself. Now, while it's liquefying itself, it freaks out. Oh, does it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, in other words, it's just not happy. I know happy. it turns to goo, but I didn't know he freaked out. Oh, no. It's like very unsettling. It's a very disturbing kind of... Think about it. Yeah. Enzymes are it actually eating it up. Oh, wow. And then and reforming it. So And then it emerges from the cocoon a butterfly. A butterfly is not a caterpillar. At all. It's, it's free yeah. from that tomb. Hmm. So that's he it, the, the the caterpillar has been born again. Our mistake is thinking this happens like in a night. <laughs> right. At a youth conference. And then we find a, out uh, we find uh, out 3 months later or 6 months later we're still like caterpillars we're not flying. Hmm. We have dogma that says we should be able to fly and we believe in a future and a next life where we're going to be flying. But Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is now among you within you means in your very being. Mm-hmm. Meaning it is it is a way of seeing. You cannot see that it's a way of it's a way of engaging in a whole new world. It's it's seeing the divine and it's seeing the light instead of the darkness and all that you look upon. So you don't condemn all this darkness around you because you're instead blessing it with the love of Christ. Mm. And so just loving light, instead. And seeing the seeing the light in it. Well, you cannot yeah. do this. It's impossible. You cannot see it. It's right right now around us is the kingdom of heaven. Mm. Within us is the kingdom, which is a whole different view of this world. Yeah. You can only see it 
as you are born again, which is like a lifelong journey often. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is how long does it take? Like, I've been a Christian 30-ish years, and it still feels like I'm a caterpillar, or, a, or I feel, still feel like I may be in the chrysalis in, in a yeah. lot of ways. Well, J- Jesus gave some other very pointed... He talked about this quite a bit. He says, He said, look, unless you hate... Or in, but hate means let complete, let go completely of, mm-hmm. like oil and water, like mm-hmm. let go of the meaning you've given to. This is another. This is another way to become an infant. Unless you hate your mother, your father, your spouse, your children, you can't. Indeed, your entire life, right? You cannot follow me. See, in other words, it's like it's the great. Or unless you deny yourself, he said somewhere else. Or unless mm-hmm. you take up the cross. This does not mean praying to a cross on a wall. Or saying a certain do- believing a certain dogma, it's it's actually unless you fall, you cannot follow me unless you yourself die to all that you've known. Mm-hmm. To- Meaning, you're putting words around what I haven't understood in my faith. Of it doesn't just it, whenever people said take up your cross and follow Jesus or die to yourself, I always like oh, so I should stop sinning. But there's this other which of course, but there's this other well, level of like no, just remove all the meaning you've put on everything else. Well. Yeah, and that's going to freak a lot of people out. So yeah, it's like it's that. only that's as okay. we let go of what the intellect has shown us. Uh-huh. It's only that, that you can possibly see see beyond it, mm-hmm. right? You have to. It, it's kenosis. It's self emptying. Had this mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who although, although being found in the form of God, surrendered mm-hmm. and became came in, incarnated, which leads into Christmas, by the way. But um, in the incarnation of Jesus. But our our journey is one of let at least mine yeah. of letting go of. As I get older, everything that I've given meaning to in this life, in order to see myself beyond that imprinting of meaning, and that's what. I'm, and the reason why we continue to stumble and stumble and stumble and stumble and stumble is because we're still clinging to this to the dogma mm. that was given to us by our forefathers and our fathers, and our parents about what it meant to be in the kingdom. Mm. What if we've got it? What if Dallas Willard was right? He wrote a book called The Divine Conspiracy, which is. Yes really well known, but he's like, Christianity is like flying upside down and doesn't know it. Mm. So what if we've missed that primary teaching of Jesus and we're instead calling ourselves followers of Jesus, but we're not, we're just following certain dogmas? That's terrible. Yeah, that's right? scary. And so it's it's not scary because it's an invitation to great freedom and life and beauty and yeah, rivers right. of living water flowing from us. It's, it's, it's the invitation to step out of a fear-based system, mm-hmm. dogma, which mm-hmm. is religion always has been, into a whole new way called love grace and in that in that passage can be can feel like death it can feel like oh god's wrath it can feel like correction it can feel like all kinds of things to the small self but ultimately the only way to see the kingdom is through this process called being born again and a lot of you know very we're all becoming born again mm-hmm. ultimately every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the glory of themselves in the king when I say themselves in the king, because we are one with Christ. Mm. And so when your glory of the lamb is to also celebrate your own innocence beyond all the judgment that you that the world has cast upon who you are. Mm. And by the way, sin is simply missing the mark. So sin in its original meaning is simply that which blinds you to the truth of your being, which is at the core, you are divine. Yes. Keep going. And so it's like most we we live in sin. It's yeah. not like someone who's smoking or having a job <laughs> right. or whatever it is. Right. Stealing or murdering is living in sin. Mm-hmm. No, no. We live in the system of fear and control that is itself sin. 
It, it is missing the mark. It's blind to its true nature. So sin is simply blindness. Mm. So it's it's not the sins. It's actually the the sin that we have agreed to, which is whenever we deny Christ, you know, yeah. in all of its manifestations, we are stepping into a form of judgment and sin. Mm. And so Christianity in many ways has been erroneously baked in sin, and we take it for gospel. Right. But it doesn't actually work. Mm-hmm. And now people are starting to see that. Yeah, it does feel like mm-hmm. people are seeing it in ways they have it. Oh, big time. Yeah. Very big time. Like uh, it is, It's like in the same way that we as individuals get to be born again, Christianity is being born again. Yes. In other words, it is essentially, it needs to die. It's, but it, it still scares it me dying. a little bit. Is that okay that it still feels scary to me as a person who grew up in church? Yeah. It feels scary to watch I was a the missionary system kid. fall apart. Yeah, yeah I went, I've gone through great fear and trepidation of, for me specifically, the rejection that would come my way if I, you know, if I actually shared my true beliefs of what Jesus was teaching, mm-hmm. even that. Yeah. Uh, not that, you know, it's not that there's any heresy in there, but it certainly breaks from certain dogma. Yeah. But fear is always a part of transformation because I think what happens, you know, the beginning stages, you know, I have grandparents on both sides and fortunate enough that they're still alive. All of them. Yeah, all of them. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And they are very dogmatic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of get this sense of we, you know, we have decided not to raise Jack in the church at this point. So we don't have a church we don't go to. And, you know, people will crucify me for that. But we just like, yep. So we (laughs) and we, you know, we do home church and we commune, you know, we're what, you know, two or more are gathered. Well, we have friends that we, um, you know, pray for and spend time with and yeah. meditate with. And we have an incredible um, system. So we were like, we just don't feel this need for church for our kid. And my grandparents fear so deeply for Jack. Well, yeah. who will teach him about Jesus? Yeah. Who will teach him about the Bible? Who will teach him the ways of Christianity? Because they, and it all, I remind myself this often it all comes from a place where they just love him so dearly and all that they know all they believe all they've based their identity on is that if i follow these rules then i will go to heaven right or if i don't i will go to hell and they are Mm -hmm. afraid for this the soul of my son because Mm -hmm. they love him dearly and this all of these ideas and rules that they have agreed to and, and if if the church isn't a part of his life then how, he will always be lost and letting mm. go of that idea it's like they saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks it's very difficult cuz they have lived with that identity for yeah. 80 plus years. Mm-hmm. And it is almost impossible to let go of and there's so much fear there because if if I am not a Christian then who am I? Mm-hmm. Right? If I am not a good wife, then who am I? If I'm not a good mother, if I'm not the perfect daughter or a good son, if I'm not a rule follower or if I even like the other if I'm not a, re- a rebel, if all of these identifications we give our identity, mm-hmm. if I'm not all of these things, then who am I? And that feels incredibly isolating and terrifying. Mm-hmm. To strip all of those ideas away and have to really look at the core of who you are and rediscover yourself, which is just connecting to your your Christ self, you know, mm-hmm. your divine nature, which we've been talking about. But that is an incredibly painful process because it means 
unsteadiness. Right. It means unknowing. And we, we know everybody fears what they don't understand yeah. and what they don't know. That's the first reaction to something new most of the time is fear. That's what I'm going to say is new ideas feel so scary. So right now, scary. some people might be feeling fear. Right? Yeah. Even hearing this, many people are probably rejoicing. And there's some who are probably right now, because of what we're saying, yeah. like, uh-oh, what does that mean for my beliefs? Mm-hmm. I feel it a little bit. And I'm and I'm with you on a lot. And I go like, I can feel some of my old yeah. stuff riling up, you know? Yeah. Hey, just interrupted today's conversation with Ted and Rochelle to tell you about our sponsors. For starters, let's keep talking books since we got some novelists on and talk about our friends at Literati Books. Every one of us that has many BFFs like you and me, we know that we should inspire kids to love reading. But when we're surrounded by technology, it's so hard. Studies show that if a child is not reading well by third grade, they are four times more likely to drop out. And that's why parents and grandparents and people who have many BFFs like me, we need Literati. Literati is the subscription book club that makes it easy to find interesting, unique books your kids will love. For the first time ever and just in time for the holidays, you can actually give a single Literati box as well as a subscription. Each of the eight limited edition gift boxes contain five world-renowned books based on a theme inspired by the kids who make our spirits bright. They also contain original artwork and stickers with your child's name. Not sure which theme to pick? You can always get a gift card that they can apply toward an annual subscription. This year, friends, give the gift of stories. Go to literatibooks.com and use the promo code that sounds fun for $20 off your first box. Plus, kids three and up get a special black light pen. That's cool. That's literatibooks.com, L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I books.com. And the promo code is that sounds fun for $20 off your first box. Literatibooks.com, promo code that sounds fun. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Samaritan Ministries. You need a way to pay for your health care. Everyone does. And like many others in our country, you might be looking for a solution to paying your medical bills. Look no further. I'm telling you, friends, health care sharing with Samaritan Ministries not only helps you pay for your health care, it connects you to a body of believers who actively care about you and your health journey and God's work in your life. As a member, I send my money directly to another Samaritan member each month to help them pay for their medical bills. And when they receive the money I send, along with my note of prayer or healing, just like that, this stranger becomes a part of my world, and I've become a part of theirs. I get to help them in a time of need and pray for them specifically. I may never interact with them again in this life, but for a moment, our lives intersect. I think that's really cool. When I have medical bills, and I have this year, these total strangers are faithful to reach out and help me financially, spiritually. Samaritan Ministries bases their direct sharing process on the example of the early church in Acts 2. The church has been around for 2,000 years, and I'm telling y'all, this method still works. That's a tried and true method if there ever was one. So find out more about Samaritan Ministries healthcare sharing at SamaritanMinistries.org slash That Sounds Fun. And now back to the show. I love 1 Corinthians 13 because Paul kind of brought everything to a, a head when he said, okay, and he's talking to Christians. Mm-hmm. He says, if you don't, if, if your life is not expressing this kind of love, all of your dogma, 
You can give yourself, you can be martyred at the stake with all, all the right beliefs. <laughs> Everything you think you know said all the right things. I mean, it's, he's very explicit there. Mm-hmm. So you can, he's essentially, in today's vernacular, I might be saying, you can be born again as a Baptist or whatever it is, minister, you can be, have all the right dogma, and you can take those, that conviction to your grave mm-hmm. to the point of being burned alive at the stake. You can give all your money away in service to the poor. You, everything you can think of in terms of what a good Christian is. They believe all the right things. They've served. They just really believe them, by the way. Yeah, They've given all their do. money to the yeah. poor. They've gone around and preached to the nations, right? But have not love. It is nothing. It's nothing. And then he defines love, right? Yep. And there's this one line in there that it kind of is the pinnacle of it all. It is, he says, it is not provoked. We threw the word easily in there, but it's not in the Greek. Oh, it, wow. It just cannot provoked. be provoked yeah. because love has no opposite. There is no... There is no fear in love. Right. When you've entered into love, there simply is no fear, period. Mm. It, so it can't provoke you. It's not, it doesn't exist on that level. It doesn't, you right. know what I'm saying? It's, like, it's yeah. like a frequency in which the lower frequency cannot abide. Can't even notice. Like, yeah. There's no... Oh, anyway, it's just not That's there. That's great. There it, it is no opposite do, it to love. It, That's it, beautiful. There's yeah. no opposite to love. It's not like... So, but a love holds no record of wrong, meaning love does not recognize wrong. Mm. It's not like... it. We say, well, that means love forgives. No, no. You think about God. Does God hold record of wrong for one second and then forgive? Does he hold record of wrong for a billionth of a second? No, no. God, it's like Jesus said about God. He says, the Father judges no one, period. This is given to the Son of Man, humanity. And I, as a man, I, try to, I judge fairly. Mm-hmm. But I don't accuse you before the Father either. Your accuser is Moses. Mm meaning your religion. Right. And it accuses you, it judges you. So the Father, God, does not judge. So there is no millisecond that he holds it. I've never thought about no, that. No, he cannot hold it. Otherwise you say, he doesn't it, it, doesn't it, say it doesn't say love only holds record of wrong for a little while. <laughs> right. It, says it, it, it cannot hold it. Right. It cannot, it, it's like fear in love. It's like there is no fear in love. And the judgment of wrong is, you know, not known in love, mm-hmm, what Paul mm-hmm. is saying. It, it's now this is divine love. Mm-hmm. This requires being born again. Right. It, it's the same. And, and, yeah. and so the invitation for us sitting around this table is, wow, can we be born again? And the answer is yes, we can be. Mm-hmm. And the first step is recognizing we're not. Right. And that's where the fear comes. And that's not bad. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. But it's good. It's not a bad thing. It's like oh, and, and and by the way, this is a journey that unfolds through the course of a life. Yeah. Not like, but we've been taught like fast food candy, it happens. That's very ego. All you got to do is do the A, A B, C, mm-hmm. and you get, if you're Muslim, 72 virgins. Mm-hmm. Or A, B, C, and you get Christians, streets of gold, mm. which are very egoic payoffs. You either get lots of riches or lots of sex. Mm-hmm. That's religion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Islam and Christianity are mirrors of each other, fundamentally. Mm. We don't see that, but I grew up in a, Christ, in a Muslim nation. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Islam is exactly like Christianity, except for switching around dogma a little bit. Yeah. But ultimately, in the expression of the religion, it's it's, it's very similar. It's very very similar. Yeah. It's very it's a punitive system where you are out of favor of God, mm-hmm. but if you live up to certain expectations that He has of you, i.e., mm-hmm. believing the right things and doing the right things. And by the way, changing your beliefs is the hardest work of all. So yeah. if you if you do the right work, which is change your beliefs and do the right work, which is acting this way, then you can escape eternal punishment. Mm. 
Otherwise, you are screwed. Right, right. And that's the love of God as taught by Islam. Uh-huh. And that's the love of God as taught by our forefathers, you know, but it's not the God I love. No, you're doing a very beautiful job framing this well for us. I know you, in your heart, you go so much deeper into this. No, this is so deep. I just this want is you deep. to know. This is pretty this is deep. We, oh, good. Okay. This is pretty deep. It feels it. Yeah. I'm having a great time. This is church. I just want to honor you for uh, thinking of those of us on the other side of this conversation as you're communicating. And I'm on it. the same side as you. Yeah. I've just... You've just thought longer see, there's about a big it difference between in, There's a, gr- a great difference between insight, which I'm offering you, mm-hmm. a different insight yep. into the teachings of Jesus, and I, I can give you way more than that, but mm-hmm. it's insight, and true wisdom, which is the expression of that insight through your life. Mm. That requires... So insight is like, ah, you're seeing that there's a shore on the other side of the river. Yeah. And let's call that the kingdom as an analogy. That's insight. Wisdom, transformation, is the journey through that river of change to that place. Mm. And that feels like a dying. Yeah. The inside might feel like a dying too. They're like, oh, crap. Because <laughs> we, the ego needs to be right. The small yeah. self, the carnal nature must be right and it will defend and attack in order to protect its own system mm-hmm. of fear and control. Mm-hmm. It makes me think back. I know I, we talked about this when you were first last on the show, Ted, but your red, uh, green, white, and black books where he breathes water. Yeah. I mean, it feels like I think of that analogy so often in our faith of like, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. And I'm like, no. You can breathe down here. Figure out how to breathe down here. And it actually is where real life is. Yeah. And I feel like this is an, an invitation to that. I would love for both of y'all. I, I just got a DM on Instagram last week of someone who said, hey, I've just started listening to the podcast. I've never read the Bible before. Where do I start? So there are friends who are listening who who, who haven't grown up in the same thoughts that we have and are very new to this to all of this. Mm-hmm. Where do they start? <laughs> Where, where do do they do they start with the book of John? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. John is. I would say John. John is different than the other three books. Why? John is written by a mystic mm-hmm. who writes in metaphor about the word which preexisted the foundations of this world coming as flesh, mm-hmm. and ultimately we ourselves are also the word. Yeah. We just don't see that, but you have to read yeah, through the book. Bo- through the book, and you see it. Um, it's not as much about the acts of Jesus, but rather the, the fundamental principles of his teaching. Mm. So in John, you know, is where Jesus says, "The Father judges no one." Mm-hmm. This, you know, and neither do I accuse you. Your accuser is your religion. Mm-hmm. It's in John where he says, "In the same way, just as I am one with the Father, so are you." Yeah, that's right. In it other words. And he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I mean, I and the Father are one. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. But he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, meaning as your eyes are opened by the Spirit of truth, you will see that that's true of you as well. Mm. And that's true of all humanity. But we haven't awakened to it. Right. We haven't been born into a realization of that. So it, John goes way out there and says these things. And Christians don't know what to do with his with the teachings of John, but they're by, they're very life giving. We yeah. simplify him a lot. I think we go, oh, John told us this story, and they told us this story, and we don't. Yeah, but he, he, Jesus spent whole. I mean, John has whole blocks of Jesus' teachings in yeah. there that blow our minds. Yeah, and I love it. End of John, where he's like, if I wrote everything. 
there aren't enough books yeah. to hold everything Jesus did while we were together. Mm-hmm. Um, Rochelle, what would you say for people who, I, I, I would imagine, and I think it's beautiful that you talked about this. There are people who think the only way I can have a relationship with God is if I go to a church. Okay. Now, and I mm-hmm. teach at a church here, so I am I love church. All right. But what about the people who don't want to go to church? Yeah. How like can me. they connect with God in a way that feels really genuine and maybe not mm-hmm. go somewhere on a Sunday morning right now? Yeah. Well, I think that although Christ is all and in all, which we've already talked about, so, you know, connecting with Jesus as as simple as you know, as looking inward, uh-huh. but that process is, is a, something that is a skill, like most things that you build over time, um, the ability to, you know, connect with the spirit that's in you. Some people have the ability to do it, you know, they'll have an experience and they'll just like, yeah. you know, on the road to Damascus and suddenly their right. eyes will be open, right. but that's not normal most for us. most of yeah. us. <laughs> so I think the uh, discipline, building good discipline into your life, just from a practical standpoint of meditation or devotion, whatever word you want to use mm-hmm. that makes you feel Yeah, we definitely don't use quiet time around here. It's the most annoying phrase. Yeah, ever. yeah. No, no, no. So, so I'm, we're about medita- meditation. Yeah, yeah, meditation. Just stilling yourself, practicing, you know, being quiet and, and looking inward and mm-hmm. connecting with the truth that is already there, that you mm-hmm. already possess, all that you need to know you already have. You lack nothing. Um, you know, because the this Christ self that, you know, Christ is all and in all that you are connected to, um, that is in your very being, um, the kingdom of heaven, which is among you and in your very being, all these mm-hmm. things we've been talking about, is agape love. And agape love has no opposite. And if agape love has no opposite and can't be threatened, it also lacks nothing. I am never going to be the same because of that, by the way. That there is no opposite to love, I'm never gonna be the same. It's it's awesome. That's awesome. So then you lack nothing mm-hmm. as an expression of divinity. You also have all that you need. You just don't know it, and you've forgotten it. We've been blinded to it. We'll mm-hmm. Keep all the same language. Since here we are, yeah. And, <laughs> You're doing um, great. <laughs> so for me, it's a it's it's a it's a practice of meditating, of returning to the truth, of remembering mm-hmm. and then forgetting, and then remembering and forgetting, and yeah. all of. Life is like that, and and you hope that the times of remembering extend and the moments of forgetting lessen the further good. you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, just take a time every day to quiet yourself, to meditate. You know, look, and I always encourage people to look for other, you know, resources um, on spirituality and divinity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think exposing yourself to um, different, you know, work is good and but yeah john is a great place to start all the red letters all the teachings of jesus Mm -hmm. feel powerful Mm -hmm. because they are the truth Mm -hmm. it resonates um with that small inner voice um because it is all being spoken out of the energy Mm -hmm. of love Mm -hmm. so i um, know a pastor who reads the gospels just on repeat every year. And this year I've listened to the whole Bible on chronological Bible on audiobook every morning. And th- just this morning, and y'all are confirming this for me, just this morning I thought, maybe next year I'll just do the Gospels over and over. I love the Old Testament, but maybe I just need to hear Jesus over and over. And y'all are like, yeah, you do. Can y'all, something I would love is, will y'all give us some questions to ask ourselves, particularly right now on the calendar, particularly during Advent, with Christmas coming up, maybe questions we can do at the table with our family that that may push us a little bit. I just would love to, as we continue to think about what y'all are saying, 
I mean, one question is, how does it feel that there's no opposite to love? I just mm-hmm. think that's something I want to say on Christmas morning when we're eating monkey bread yeah. is I'm just going to say to everybody, did you guys realize there's no opposite to love? Go. Mm-hmm. What are some other, tell me some of the questions y'all are asking around your table when y'all are sitting and talking. <laughs> well, I'll say one thing, and since, since this is the season of incarnation is to... And will you define that? Sorry, just in case we don't know what incarnation means. Oh, incarnation means. is spirit coming into form. Okay. So we are all spirit, but mm-hmm. right now we're having an experience in form, mm-hmm. right? Right. So God is infinite. Nothing can be added to God nor taken away from God. So all that exists always was God or a part of him. Mm-hmm. So we've always existed as a part of God, even as a thought of God is you know, no different than the manifestation of that thought. Yeah. So we ourselves have always existed. And so now we've we've we have this very brief experience called incarnation, where we come into this world, this mm-hmm. w- this plane of duality or polarity or the sin nature, mm-hmm. however you want to put it, darkness, light and darkness, um, to experience ourselves in a very different way. So let's we say, didn't know that before we were when well, when we were just spirit. According to Jesus, I mean that's a whole separate question. Yeah, this is why you need to start a podcast, Ted Decker. But Jesus. <laughs> Talking about the blind man in John 5, I believe it is, essentially says that you know, the blind man came, he chose to come in born blind so that he might discover the light within himself. We must all do the same work while it is day, meaning during this life, yeah. because night is coming when no man can work. We're here, we're here in this plane to do a certain work as yeah. each one of us, as souls, that cannot be done in other planes of existence. Yes. Okay. And then he took the earth and made it mud. Yeah. And he symbolically blinded the man. Uh-huh. See, the world blinds you to who you oh, are. I'm, I'm, yes. Right? Isn't that? Did you get this show? is your whole life. Mm-hmm. This is your well, father. Well, it's, <laughs> no, the last but I mean, decade but, but, has but been I see where you're intense. coming from. Yeah, you're coming from somebody who that would make give you chills because it's beautiful. Because it's like taking what was there in front of you the whole time and suddenly going and it fits. And suddenly it's like wow. Yes. Listen, the gospels are that way. We just have been blinded to so much that's in there. Yes. Mm-hmm. So part of what we've been blinded to is our own incarnation. So as we celebrate the incarnation of Jesus coming as a child, as a baby, you know, Mary, did you know that this baby boy, mm-hmm. beautiful, innocent, and then marry that with Jesus teaching that unless you become like that same baby boy, you can't see love the way I see it. Mm. You cannot experience love. You cannot see the kingdom. You get to be... So during this season of incarnation, a good question around the table might be, in what way today are we going to be like infants mm. to celebrate our incarnation and to remember why we came? And let's once more... So we came in as infants. We've grown up in fear, yeah, imprinted by religion and the systems of fear and control, government, society, all that. And now we get to become like infants again. Mm. And so we're going to celebrate that. And that we too will change nations as that infant child called Christ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that song will take <laughs> yeah, on a. Yeah. That song's great. We, we, that when Mary, a, did you know? What yeah. we do is we, we play, what we do is like we play that song. We have the last few Christmases at night, Christmas Eve, and we have our own church. Your family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. Take, we all have lights and we listen to the song and we're recognizing and through the song that we are. We are all come into the world. We had this mind in us that was also in Christ Jesus, who although being found in the form of God, we humbled ourselves and came as servants in this life. Mm-hmm. And so we too are honoring the child within us, mm-hmm. which is Christ. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and we too, that energy of Christ, that beauty 
the personhood of Christ itself mm. is changing the world. And so we honor and bless that. That's why we give gifts. We give gifts in uh, celebrating the beauty yeah. of being a servant and pouring ourselves out as an offering, as a drink offering for the world. Mm-hmm. The blind man came blind. I can't, I right? can't get past You're, the blind Once guy. you see that, it'll change your entire view of what it means to be alive. Uh-huh. I was born, I have a meditation called I Was Born to See. It's in mm. a book of, written called The Way of Love. Mm-hmm. And It's um, out now, we can get it? It's out now. Okay, it's good. only available on my website. Okay, so, great. It's, but anyway, it's, it's like, I, you know, I was born to see. Mm-hmm. I was, I, and it goes, I was born blind so that I'm, we're all born blind. Yeah. Maybe not physically. That man chose physical blindness. Someone else might choose a wheelchair. Someone else might choose to be, uh, born into a caste system in India and be sold into prostitution. It changes everything when you understand what humanity, what's happening. Yeah. Some of my cho- <laughs> some of my might have even chosen to come and be a Christian evangelical pastor, which is perhaps more difficult than being born into prostitution. Mm-hmm. Someone else, I'm not judging it. I'm yeah, just yeah. saying, you chose to be a pastor. I, I do that with pastors too. You, you chose you to be You pick this. You pick this. It's like what you said because, to her. We're like, don't be a writer. Yeah. Because they get slammed. Yeah. And we must yeah. have great respect and love for our Christian pastors because they're under so much, you know, many of them defend themselves, but that defense that they're making of themselves, it only puts them further into Gehenna or mm-hmm. suffering or hell or whatever you want to call it. And, uh, and But we have great respect and honor for them because they've chosen a very difficult path. And they probably chose that path before they were born. Mm. Ooh, I have something to think. I have something to talk about around the Christmas table. Yeah. <laughs> that is something. Um, yeah. Rochelle, when you're thinking about kids mm-hmm. and conversations to have around, how do we have this conversation with a seven-year-old? Yeah, well, I actually think that kids are way more intuitive than mm-hmm. we give them credit for. Yeah. Also, I believe they accept they don't have nearly as much fear yet. Every year they develop, they gain like more fear. But at seven, there's, you know, it's five, six, seven. It's incredible what you can discuss with them and they totally get. Mm-hmm. They get more than you probably. Yeah. Yeah. So I think having these kind of conversations with kids is, you know, a great thing to do. I also think fear is a really good word to use because all seven-year-olds understand what fear is by that mm-hmm. point. So, um, you know, sitting around and asking yourself, okay, what are the things around Christmas where we feel fear? Where we, like, not getting the right gifts, mm-hmm. not having the perfect uh, traditions, not um, having whatever these, like, f- what are the things, what are the expectations of what Christmas is supposed to look like in our house and mm-hmm. why? Mm-hmm. Why are these expectations? And if, if all of those things went wrong, would Christmas be ruined? Can you ruin Christmas? Can the you incarn- ruin Christmas? Can you ruin Christmas, the incarnation? And how do you talk about that um, with a, with kids? Yeah. You know, because if it's about the incarnation and we and all of these other things are beautiful and wonderful and the world is an incredible place and meant mm-hmm. to be enjoyed mm-hmm. without expectation. Sure. So how do you do that? Because it's the, the when you give something, when you place value in something, when you attribute an expectation or worth to an idea, mm-hmm. that's when it enslaves you. Yeah. So how do you enjoy Christmas without any expectation and really find the joy in it, even if it was all taken away. Yeah. 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 And, and by the way, shameless plug here. Yeah, go. Anybody who's interested in anything we're talking about will find a lot of this in story form or very 
really riveting story in A Girl Behind the Red Rope. Because yes. really, The Girl Behind the Red Rope is all of us mm-hmm. for, as Christians. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, okay, yeah. this, this is the shameless plug, but there, I don't know. No, when, that's why you're on before Christmas, is so everyone will gift this book. Well, there you go. <laughs> I know I what mean, I'm doing, Ted Decker. <laughs> there you go. Get The Girl Behind the Red Rope, written yes. by my, myself and my daughter, mm-hmm. um, to give for yourself and for anybody, you know, I'd say who's over the age of 16, who, yeah. or at 15 maybe even, if they're. Mm-hmm. You know, or fourteen if they're really astute readers, mm-hmm. but because it will expose truth in in all of us, and the light of it ends very, very beautifully. Yeah, yeah. beyond fear. So it's yeah. the journey out of fear that we unwittingly have married ourselves to, mm-hmm. gone into a, an agreement with. Mm. We've made fear our master without knowing it. Yeah. This is like fear is the wisdom of the world that puts us to bed at night. So it seems to keep us safe, but actually it enslaves us mm-hmm. to it. And there's another way that Jesus brought called love, you know, and and this process of being born again from fear into love and divine love. Mm. And that's what the book's about. Uh, yeah. I, and I, I like to challenge my friends that the week between Christmas and New Year's, let's like get off the internet and read some books. Yeah. Like if you can read a novel... Or a non or a novel and a nonfiction during that week, and let your life be a little bit quieter. Yeah. So yeah. this is what I'm going to read: the girl behind the red rope. And I'll shamelessly plug because I something that we're we're not actually here to promote is for those kids under 15 uh-huh. who want to read something that's similar. Actually, my dad and my younger sister Kara wrote an incredible four book series for eight to 13 year olds. Oh, brilliant! Called the Dream Traveler's Quest, which you yeah. can get on his website, and they they actually deal with a lot of these same issues, but in this for crazy younger. adventure yeah. for younger kids. So parents out there who are like, I want to get my Men kids. and women, right? Yeah. For y'alls and boys and oh, girls yeah. for them. Oh, yeah, boys yeah. and girls. Like, yeah. I, my kid loves to read, but they're only 12. and not really ready for this kind of stuff yet. Yeah. But, you know, they're only eight or they are – they're a wild ride. They're super fun, but oh, laced with the teachings of Jesus. Great. In a really As y'all's awesome books way. are, both of yours, yours that you've written independently, Rochelle and Ted, yours are, you will run into the gospel whether you want to or not in every yeah. book. So um, y'all have been very generous with your time. I'm sorry we went a little bit longer than I That's promised fine. you. That's okay. No problem. We, um, and Ted, I just haven't even publicly thanked you. You helped me start this podcast and it has become the joy of my life. So... Thank you so much. Oh, you're First guest, and you are y'all are both always welcome anytime if there's something you want to talk about. Um, but I'm really, really appreciative. Oh, thank you. So the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, will you tell me something you do for fun? Oh wow. Um well I'm really into the movies. Okay. I'm like me too. super into movies. Yeah. I'm actually guilty of not reading nearly as much as I watch, mm-hmm. even though I'm a writer. I know. Well, it's Shame either way me. you're intaking story. Yeah. I think. So yep. I will watch The Crown like crazy. Oh yeah, I think it's a love fascinating that. story. I love that. So what so, what movies are you watching? So recently we saw Knives Out, which was funny. I heard it is. So yeah. Also Ford versus Ferrari. Great Fantastic. That's an unbelievable. A friend and I went and saw it the other night, mm-hmm. and it is so long, and you have no idea how long it is. No, I know. It's it is incredible. An unbelievable movie. Yeah. Yeah. How it was did, great. I watched it too. I think, I think it's like two and a half, two forty five. Yeah. 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 It doesn't yeah. Feel that way. No, it doesn't feel that way. You are so dropped into the middle. And I do not care about cars. And I loved it front to back. Also, for the moms out there with kids, since I'm representing, (laughs) if you just think about the things that we talked about today Mm -hmm. and then go watch Frozen 2. Really? Okay, because I haven't seen it yet, so that's good for the me transforma- too. I know that's so crazy, but the no. transformation those girls take is very – This, I mean, 
I wept most of the movie. Okay. <gasps> I think your kids, if they're under the age of seven, might be bored, actually, which is a mm-hmm. big criticism. Mm-hmm. But you, as a like as a woman, like just go see it. Okay. <laughs> Anyways. I'm going to go see it. Good it's answer. Great. Yeah, me because too. Because there's no male or female in Christ. So. Yes, uh-huh. that's true. Right. So you can, you are welcome I'm at a presentation. I'm going to tap my inner showing. female. Um, what do you do for fun, Ted? Well, um, obviously, I like any former story. Uh-huh. Um, so beyond that, I would say um, I... I really like getting out into nature and like riding mountain bikes, although I don't do it as much here in Tennessee. It's kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, just came back from a scuba diving trip. Oh, that's fine. In fun. the Caribbean. I mean, I like getting traveling and finding new adventure. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing about watching Little Jack, who's nine months old. He, everything's an adventure to him. It's like, wow. I mean, like everything's wonder, mm-hmm. discovering wonder again and everything. And getting out of the box that confines mm-hmm. who I think I am as an author, even yeah, that I've enslaved myself to. So I like having fun, get doing just doing new things that are outside the mm-hmm. box. When I saw Ford in Ferrari, my friend who texted me said, "Do you want to go on an adventure?" And I was like, "I can't say no to that." I of course I don't know what mm-hmm. we're gonna do, and it ended up being a movie that I would not have picked myself. Mm-hmm. But man, I, I'm I'm with you. That's Adventures cool. are hard yeah. to resist. Okay, anything else you guys? That's it. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, y'all are. This was awesome. This was awesome. I am so thrilled. Okay, friends, right? I mean, what amazing thinkers, what interesting conversations. I cannot tell you every Christmas party I've been to since we recorded this, I have talked about some part of the conversation with Ted and Rochelle. I mean, I. I just love people who give us new things to think about and different perspectives to think about. Ugh, I'm so grateful. Hey, make sure you grab a copy of The Girl Behind the Red Rope. It is, I'm telling y'all, I cannot put it down. It is so good. And I love a book that makes me want to put my phone down. So I am grateful for them. So make sure you grab a copy of that and give Ted and Rochelle both follows on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell them thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs. F as in is fun to think about things. Fun. Yeah, fun. That's great. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. We've got a couple of Christmas stories from our guests throughout the year at the end of the show. So make sure you stick around for that. But I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. Hey, our party continues tomorrow with Victoria Durstock. We will see you guys tomorrow. guys my name is Casey and I have an amazing album out entitled The Gathering and my favorite Christmas story is actually the year that I got in the most trouble of all time (laughs) my mom accused me of being ungrateful and she was right and so she took all of my Christmas gifts away and we went to the homeless shelter and I braided hair for like two days straight no so at the time it sucked how old were you Ooh, 11. Oh, my gosh. A she lot gave of away mouth, all your gifts. Yet she gave away every single one of them. And you just went to the homeless shelter and helped and other hair. people. And it sucked then, but I see so much of that lesson in my life yeah. now. Yeah. So I think it worked out. Hey, this is Mike Donahue. I sing in a band called 10th Avenue North, and I've written a book called Finding God's Life for My Will. One of my favorite Christmas memories was when I was 17, I grew up one of five children, and our dog got hit by a car. Sam was his name, Black Labrador Retriever. You're, you're probably going, why is this your favorite Christmas memory, you morbid weirdo? Well, uh, it taught me a lot about the spirit of Christmas because my parents came to us. We didn't have a lot of money. 
and they said, guys, you have a choice to make. We can either buy you Christmas presents or save Sam's life. But we're going to have to make a choice because we don't have the money to do both. And I got a new Nintendo that year. That was amazing. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't get the Nintendo. We elected to forego presents and save our dog, save his life. And uh, that really taught me about the true spirit of Christmas. Hey, this is Jess Connolly. I'm the author of You Are the Girl for the Job. And here is my favorite Christmas memory slash tradition. About eight years ago, my husband and I were super broke. And we realized that crepes, while they sound very fancy, are quite cheap to make. They don't take a lot of money. They don't take a lot of ingredients. And so we wanted to have a fancy Christmas Eve meal after we had gotten everything done for the next day. And we decided to make crepes. And so now every Christmas Eve, we make crepes and we feel fancy, even though they're actually just really cheap and easy to make in your house. 